right, Brandon, another week, another uh, opportunity to get together and talk about some questions. Um, we're back yeah. for another all questions considered here, um, a weekly opportunity to engage our curiosity, uh, to sit in the discomfort of not having an easy answer and to learn to love the questions themselves. Um, I'm Drew Ingram. I'm the pastor at Spirit in the Hills Lutheran Church in Spicewood, Texas. Uh, I'm joined with uh, my friend Brandon here. He's just um, a normal dude. I have no yeah. titles after my name. <laughs> That's right. Um, what a weird part of life um, that, you know, I have honorifics with my name and things. Um, I represent, I just represent the people. I represent the average Joe with lots of questions. That's right. Well, and last week with our uh, question evangelical, um, part two, religio-political boogaloo, as you did not let me forget. Um we, I, I even turned some of the questions back to you. Uh, and yeah. tonight we're moving into something that, uh, you know, interestingly enough, I'm slightly more familiar with uh, the concept of sin. Um, and you're like, I'm very oh, yeah, familiar with it. Yeah, <laughs> Intimately right. familiar with this subject. I have personal experience here. Um, but we have uh, we have some different questions and things about that. A handful of reminders up top. Um, number one, uh, Part of the gift of doing this show live on Facebook and YouTube every week at nine o'clock central is uh, that we have the opportunity to interact with you. So if you have questions about, uh, especially about tonight, about sin um, or the nature of sin, the history of sin, what the word means, please share them in the chat uh, if you're up for it. And then whether it's about this topic or about anything else, if you have questions that you want us to cover, um, that's how we've already gotten a couple of these topics for the show. Um, just, you know, your big questions about God and life and faith, um, send them our way. If you'd rather just, you know, text Brandon or I, or send us a direct message on Facebook, that's fine too. Um, but we're looking for, for more topics as we go though, coming up soon. Um, we've got a, a handful of weeks in a row in starting, uh, kind of the second week of August about parenting and faith. Um, something that, uh, Brandon and I have been talking a good bit about offline and we'll hopefully not only be talking about it here at all questions considered, but also have um, some other venues for conversation, including a chance to get together in person um, and talk about the topic as well. If you, so if you're in the kind of West Austin area or Austin in general, and willing to drive out a little bit toward the Lakeway area, um, we think we got a spot. So we'll have some more details to share soon. So stay tuned to the spirit in the Hills website for that, or the Facebook page as well. And then, um, so a handful of videos and an opportunity to connect with other parents. Um, that's, that's kind of what's in the pipeline. Um, so a reminder, share your questions with us as we get going here. Um, and, uh, and with that, I'll turn it over uh, to Brandon to really kick us off here. Yeah. You know, what just popped in my head is asking for questions about sin. I feel like I want to like make a private channel available for anybody right. who's like wants to be anonymously asking questions. I don't know if that's a sure. tech thing that we have options for here, but I was yeah, like, no, well, right. It is a, it is a good distinction to bring up, right? Like I've got the collar on and everything, right? Like this is not the confessional booth. <laughs> even, even when I go into the close up view and it's just Brandon and I, right? Like it's not, um... I'm in a literal booth right now and Drew is right here next to me. <laughs> Oh, and we're talking about sin. This is a great, I'm so excited for this. That's one. right. But <laughs> but so yes, for folks who are asking, if you have nice general questions about, um, you know, you don't, this is not, um, uh, I should I should clarify, right? So in my role as a clergy person, which is again, one of these, you know, interesting, odd things about uh, what it means to be a clergy person, there's like privileged communication, right? Like you, if you go to a priest in confession, um, or a pastor of, of, and in confession, um, there are certain like rules about confidentiality and things as we go. Um, again, we're not in confessional booth, so we're not saying like, "Hey, tell us all your dirty laundry." Um, like, don't uh, this is not come to confession mode unless you just really want to. Um, but what we are going to talk about any any big questions about sort of yeah the nature of sin, why sometimes the church talks about sin and sometimes the church talks about sins, like plural, you know, singular, plural, um, oh, all fun. that kind of stuff coming our way. Um, I love it. I was doing some digging to find some questions. So I started with my, some of my own questions, but then I thought, I wonder what the internet has to ask about sin. So I went to the center of the internet, which is Reddit, <laughs> and people have great questions about sin. So I'm hoping we maybe get some live questions tonight. So please comment with those. But also here's some of my favorites from Reddit that I found. Um, probably top of the list, 
what is your favorite of the Christian sins? Somebody <laughs> posted this to the internet asking, you know I want to know what other people's favorite. I also love the specification or what is, what is your favorite of the Christian sins? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question because it's like of its earnestness and its playfulness, right? Like this is like, I, I genuinely enjoyed this question for a handful of reasons because uh, one, like you said, right? Like, like they have some list that they're pulling from of like the Christian sins, yeah. right? Like they, whoever's asking this has some concept or assumes that whoever's answering has some concept of like the Christian sins. Um, and then, uh, and then I'm also like, what do you mean by favorite? Like my favorite yeah. to participate in, um, my favorite as like a theoretical concept, my favorite to explore, um, you know, what do you what do you mean when we when we talk about favorite? That's one of the interesting things. We'll probably come up again uh, in our conversation about sin. Is um, there's an interesting idea about like fun and playfulness and sin, and there's an interesting you know like uh, yeah. there's a there's a sense a cultural sense of like sometimes Christianity it get like is seen as this set of rules that keeps you from having fun, which is like these things to keep you from sin and sin is the fun stuff of life. That's um, true. That's true. And, and so I wonder how much of that is in this question. Um, if we're going to go like, uh, what are, what's, what's your favorite, um, of like, I don't know, like seven deadly sins. I, I really don't. I would just want to know what list they're pulling from. I, I, I don't point? even like, it's so hard for me to answer this question, but I love this question so much. Yeah. So it's like, well, <laughs> so what's good. your favorite? It's like, I don't know. Um, sins of omission like because i just forgot um and how much does that matter right like or or you want to be to be like gluttony because i really love tacos oh that's like, for sure mine i just got a text in my ears from ashley saying hey heads up i'm going to eat the rest of the ice cream and i'm like dang it i have an errand to run on my way home um that's <laughs> definitely my favorite cream, yeah. yeah for yeah. sure um i okay i love this one this one's like a, a close second or maybe it's the same thing. What's the most fun Christian sin to do? Yeah. So I love, well, it. I love some of the same idea, right? Like that same concept of like, like sin is the fun thing. Like it's the fun things you're not allowed to do when you're yeah. stuck in religion or Christianity. For sure. Um, I became a Christian at eight years old and that was part of the thing. Like I hadn't even gotten to middle school, high school to know like, oh crap, I committed to not doing all of the fun yeah. stuff. All yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I I feel like there's a silly trope in, um, especially in people that, uh, in, in Christian traditions where it's really common for people to like share a testimony or like the story of them coming to Christ or things. Um, yes. and, uh, and there's the, there's like a stereotype of, um, the person that's just like sharing like what their life was before. And like everybody kind of sitting there like, you were like partying every day and like sleeping around with all kinds of really beautiful people. And, you were you were just doing whatever you want. You didn't have to wake up at five a.m. for quiet time, so you'd just like stay up and play video games and um, say whatever came to mind. Like you know, like the, but it's like and it always concludes like my, with right. like and none of that compared to like I, it all left left me feeling hollow and empty. And we're all like, I call BS on this. Yeah, yeah, side. yeah. Well, especially right the folks who like grew up in the tradition or whatever, right? Or like you know, kind of came to Christ at an early age, whatever you were to call it, right? And you're like, I didn't get yeah. into that. Where's the where's optimal mine? age was like 29 to become a great. It's like, yeah. Anything sure, yeah, yeah. That, you had the life experience of the fun, sinful stuff. Um, and, and I think that that's what uh, this question sort of brings to mind in me, right. Is, um, is this understand and understanding of sin and an understanding of Christianity or religion as like keeping me from doing the pleasurable things of life. So to, to maybe even a, a slightly more serious bent on it, I think a lot of this is rooted in this understanding of like, if it's enjoyable, it's wrong. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and how that gets conveyed to folks, which is why, right? Like those of us, um, who grew up in the church are hearing this great conversion story of like, yeah, you know, I, I traveled with my punk rock band and this is what life was like. And you're just like, that sounds awesome. Um, and uh and this misconception like of that, like well i like that traveling with your punk rock band is your is was your your example for sin right sure there uh-oh yeah, uh-oh right. um, <laughs> i've done that too um where i started playing the episode before uh but yeah i i like that first of all your example of sinning is somebody who plays a gibson sg guitar with too much distortion on it 
um, and needs to convert to Christianity. As, so, as uh, opposed to a, a Telecaster um, with a lot of reverb, like the yeah. good Lord intended. <laughs> For sure. I love it. Uh, but then there was also some serious questions like, uh, should someone sin to accomplish a good purpose? Mm. So it gets philosophical. There's like some ethics in here if we want to get into it. But yeah. all of this, I feel like, sets us up for a good opening question that I'll put to you, Drew, for you to consider. Of Let's just start with what is sin? So yeah. how, how are we going to let's set up the whole conversation here with what is sin? Who gets to define what sin is? I'm going to sure. tee that off to you and let you have fun with that for a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, and that's even, you know, that's kind of where I started with even those kind of fun questions, right? It's like, well, somebody has some sort of working definition of sin coming into that or this idea of, you know, these are the Christian sins. Um, and, uh, and, and to me, right, my response when I hear uh, very specific questions with regard to sin, but with regard to a lot of things, of, you know, like, you know, is, is just to kind of explore, well, like, well, what do you mean when you're saying sin, right? What do you consider, you know, a person asking this question? What are you working from as this is what sin is? Or even, right, that's me kind of playing fun at, well, sin's the fun stuff that you don't get to do when you're a Christian. Um, and uh, and so it begs this big question, right? What is what is sin? Um, and that, that second one that you asked in there, maybe I'll start with that. Um, to a degree of like, who, who gets to determine? I mean, I think that's a legitimate question. And I think that's a question that you could keep bringing up again and again. And that's not one that I, um, I don't know how much we'll explore it exactly, but like, right. Like is, is the church, which part of the church, um, this comes up at, at certain places. Um, and I'll even just share an example in my denomination. There are, uh, as time goes by, as, we encounter the world um, in different ways. This culture changes. We we're faced with this question of, was well, that something from culture, or is that something from faith, from theology, from scripture, from Jesus, from God's word? Right? Like, what is the locus of this? What's what's leading and guiding um, this idea? And so, like my denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA. Um, Back in 2009, we had a lot of this conversation and it's still uh, not necessarily a solved issue because if you didn't get the vibe from me as one example of a Lutheran pastor, we like to uh, keep this wide openness to the best of our ability when we answer questions, but it was on um, human sexuality and what does that look like and will we ordain uh, gay and lesbian pastors in committed relationships and the church said yes. Um, and, but well, along with that was a lot of study and time and conversation in congregations about um, the nature of human sexuality uh, and to what degree sin is or is not related to certain forms or, uh, or types or identities of sexuality or sexual orientation. Um, and, uh, and so that's just one example of like, well, who's, who's determining whether it's sin or not? Where are we, like, what is our rule and guide for calling something sin or saying that it's not sin? Um, and when faced with those questions, it begs that, uh, which I think is, a, again, like, I think that's a legitimate question. I'm like, I think the church should always be asking that question. Well, like, who said it, right? Mm. Who said it was a sin? Who said it was wrong? Who said it was not God's will? Um, or who said it was, right? Like, you could ask it in the affirmative too, right? Who says we're not, we didn't say this is the path but it's actually the wrong path, right? We can look through church history ought to show us enough that uh, sometimes the people who have made those claims uh, are very wrong, right? Um, so I mean, you could look, it, you know, one of those easy examples is like the Crusades or things like witch hunts, or uh, I've been talking a lot lately about those beautiful web telescope images, right? The, just the, yeah. the vastness of the galaxy. And you think of like the church persecuting the first astronomers, right? Yeah. And like excommunicating them from the church. You're like, well, they were wrong, right? Like, and at this point with that kind of perspective, you can very clearly see it, but people are calling that sin and calling that evil. And, um, and so asking that question of like, well, who says, and what's your basis for is really great. And it, and it leads us to that theological question of like, well, what is sin? Um, and, uh, and there are a lot of answers to this. There are a lot of sort of definitions of sin. And part of that is, stems from this uh, relative kind of theological consensus in Christianity that sin is a surd, 
which is to say sin is absurd. Um, sin doesn't make sense. Sin, like it doesn't fit rationally into uh, the existence of a, a benevolent and all powerful, a benevolent and omnipotent God, right? If God is omnibenevolent and omnipotent, right? If God is all powerful and totally good, um, why is there sin? Where does it come from? Why is there still sin in light of Jesus? And I think we're maybe going to tease out some of these, you know, specifics, right? Like those, those why questions, but the, the, answer is like, there's, there's something there that we don't quite understand. Um, so we define it in several ways. Uh, there are a lot of sort of historical definitions or, or orthodox definitions of sin as a Lutheran, um, one that Luther really liked, and he kind of got it from Augustine who was, so Martin Luther lived in the 1500s and was uh, spurred on the, the Protestant Reformation and the split from the Catholic church. Um, he was an Augustinian monk, St. Augustine, St. Augustine, um, from the, the 300s, from the fourth, late 4th century. Um, they used this Latin definition of sin as incurvatus si, which is turned in on oneself, like literally oh, like, like curved in. Um, and, and that comes from this understanding. Luther articulated it as um, all sins are sins against the first commandment, that we've chosen another god. Uh, that we have not put God first. And and from this sort of uh, thing that, that Augustine talks about, that Augustine talks about of um, either uh, we've placed God as foremost or we've placed ourselves. Um, now, I think you could, I, I think with good intention, you could argue maybe there's a little more nuance in there. Um, I think what those particular theologians would say is um, even if we've put like money first, well, like, what is that money for? And when we when we follow that track, they'd say it's it's a self interested thing, uh, right? It's it's a turned in on self. So they, they would say all roads either lead like either you're living for God or you're living for self. Um, and that's that's one sort of classic definition of sin. That's one that's one of the earliest definitions of sin with like sometimes with a capital S, but in that singular form. Um, that's one of the earliest ones that I learned in my life um, was that in to be in sin is to be turned in on oneself. And so what forgiveness and, and grace and justification looks like is God sort of turning us out from ourselves toward our neighbor. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's kind of one piece. There are some other definitions um, and I don't have, I can't cite my sources as well with some of these, but another sort of classic definition of sin is to say disordered desires. Um, which is a similar idea of we have, we have pride, our priorities are out of whack, right? It's a, it's a fancy way of saying our, our, we have the wrong priorities. We have prioritized, uh, that which is not life-giving, um, that which is not freeing and liberating for us and for the world, um, that which harms rather than does good. And, um, and in that circumstance, right, we have disordered our desires there. We've just, we've put the wrong order. We've said, I love ice cream more than I love my neighbor. Um, or on a more serious note, right. We've said, I love guns more than I love the lives of school children. Right. This is, um, th that's what the church points at. And some of that stuff of like, well, how are we ordering our desires? Um, cause yeah. it seems like they're out of whack. Um, and, uh, so that's another that's another sort of classic definition of, of what is sin. Um, some other kind of quick ones, like it's to miss the mark. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that comes lot, more, yeah. more literally from some of the Hebrew words uh, to there's sometimes like uh, that, which separates us from God, that which mm. causes a divide or, or moves us away from the divine. Um, okay. Interesting. And, and then, yeah, to like miss the mark or miss the target. Um, these, these come from some of the words in Hebrew that are used for sin or that are translated as sort of sin uh, or, and, and so that's like tr to trespass, to betray trust, to break a relationship um, is another one of these words that's uh, sometimes gets wrapped into the idea of sin um, in the same way of like, if you look at translations of um, the Lord's prayer, right? We have, we have three interesting English words in the, uh, in most of Western Christianity that are uh, forgive us our trespasses. Oh, we forgive yeah. those who trespass against us, right? And that's like a betrayal of relationship, uh, okay. breaking trust with with God and with neighbor. Um, forgive us our sins, 
And that root word is more around this like idea of like missing the mark. Like we didn't do what God intended. Mm. Um, and, and therefore, you know, messed up and broke something, missed the target, hit something we weren't supposed to hit. Um, and, uh, or even this idea of forgive us our debts, like this language of debt, um, gets associated with sin early in scripture. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And so, you know, this idea of, of owing somebody something or, um, yeah, you owing some, something to someone, someone owing something to you, uh, and this language of a forgiveness of debts, uh, is often comes right alongside this idea of forgiveness of sins. Gotcha. I love it. Thanks for laying out all kinds of different ways we can talk about this thing. My favorite, nobody asked, but my favorite one of these is... <laughs> I'll ask. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Brandon, what's your favorite? <laughs> Thanks for asking, Drew. I was uh, I was really excited to talk about my favorite definition of sin is that first one that this like twisting in on yourself. I love the visual there. I also love how that lends itself to like a contextual look at sin. Like what twists me in on myself might be slightly different in from me, like the same thing for me that kind of perverts my heart, my soul, my spirit might be a little different from you. Whereas missing the mark has this kind of heaviness of like, there's one specific target that we're all shooting at. And I'll, even the priorities one, it almost feels like, well, somebody give me the list of the correct priorities and I'll try my best. Like, like it's a grocery list. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, so I and like the, that how much does one. it matter between like what's number one and number two, like, cause even yeah, can I like, get the milk first and then the eggs or, right. is it, or yeah. I'm like, I, you know, I'm like, I have a Micah six, eight thing right up on my wall right here. That's, you know, what does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And you're like, okay, is that the right order though? Like what if, what if I love mercy or, and walk humbly before I act justly, act justly. right? Like, <laughs> you know, like I, I hear you on that. Right? Like, you missed the mark. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that first one. Cause it kind of lets more of a contextual, I even, the one that's um, kind of about self over God and God over self. You mentioned later, one of those definitions is kind of about what separates us from God. Mm. And I love anything that kind of takes away that separation, even in our framing of the whole thing. And so setting up sin is placing God above myself or myself above God. I love it when we start to integrate and understand, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about taking care of self-care and mental health and recognize your own needs and so I feel like sometimes we can, um, I don't know where it comes from exa exactly, if it's more of a Protestant thing, a West, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but to kind of sacrifice the self um, and almost to hold that up as like a good thing to, and that can kind of maybe play into that idea of like, don't put your, don't acknowledge your needs. It's all about God or it's all about neighbor. Now, of course those are important, but to understand the relationship there and that they're not mutually exclusive. So anyways. Yeah. For that yeah. reason, I'm saying my favorite is the, what was the word? The inversion in Incurvitus C. Yeah, I'm going to get that To be tattoo. turned in on oneself. Yeah. I like, I literally learned it uh, in what we call confirmation class in the Lutheran church, which is like, we're baptized early. And then it's like claiming the promises of baptism for yourself, being, being affirmed in your baptism and remembering it. But you go through a process of intentional learning, uh, mm. usually around middle school. And uh, it was like literally this picture of like a, a swirly arrow, right? Pointing inward of like, this is sin in curve to see. And, um, and so that really has stuck with me. One thing though, that came to your mind uh, or to my mind while you were talking is. Uh, I like the idea that maybe you were reading my mind. While yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I saw in the, in the mindscape. Tell me what I was thinking. Brandon, yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, this idea that, um, or sorry. So, the liturgy of, of the Lutheran church and several uh, mainline Protestant and Catholic, uh, you know, worship services, there's an, a corporate order, a, a group confession and forgiveness as part of our liturgy. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I get questions about this all the time of like, if I'm forgiven, why, why am I doing this? If I don't, if I can't, if I don't think that I've sinned in the last mm. week, like if I've done all the right stuff this last week, why am I saying this? Sometimes the language in it can be really harsh. Like, God, we have hated your ways. Um, mm. Right. And like, is like, and, and people will say, pastor, isn't this really, you know, intense language yeah. for this? Right. Just like, I don't also feel to paint like a picture. I think 
Y'all aren't, this isn't a moment in service where you say, on the count of three, everybody yell out the worst thing you did this week. <laughs> no, there's a little bit of silence for reflection, but the okay. idea is that it's- but This is everybody a, reading a kind of corporate Yes, it's, it's pre-written, right? So you're saying what's on the page. Okay. Um, but the idea is this idea that sometimes we miss of, and this is where I talk about that distinction between like sin and sins um, that maybe we could explore a little bit more, but- uh, like it's not just about thing. It's not just about things you have done and not done. It's mm. about things we have done and yeah. not done. It's about wow. society and church and and the ways that um, forces opposed to God at work in the world um, or our own self interest as a as a people, as a country, as a church, as a congregation um, plays into this. Right. So even if you um, did live a perfect week. Um, which I, you know, I've, I have yet to see one from somebody, um, like there's still reason to do it. There would still be reason to come into this corporate confession, but I bring that up, uh, to talk a little bit about that, but then also to share, uh, one of the most beautiful, you're talking about self and an identity of self and like, where's the good in that, right? It, it, yeah. like, sometimes we have to pay attention to ourselves. Um, there, there was one, uh, people, some different people will write different orders of confession that we'll use um, and that are used kind of throughout the church. There are some standbys, one of which I love when people say like, but I didn't live a bad week. Uh, there's one that that has a portion that says, if we say we have no sin, uh, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in Ooh, us. Um, wow. <laughs> just like a little bit of, um, but for things we've done and things we haven't done, uh, there's also language in my tradition of um, we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. Like it's something that has us bound and we can't get ourselves out mm. of it. Um, but there was one uh, that was written kind of specifically and we used it for a time for six or eight weeks. And it said, um, God, forgive us for the times we have thought too much of ourselves. Um, and then the next line was the times we've not thought enough of ourselves. Oh, I like um, that. And because, because both of those are true and both of those, um, lend their way into sin. And, and, yeah. and I think of the things that happen, um, when, right. Like on the one hand you have folks who uh, beat themselves up on the inside. Right. And like tell themselves that they're worth nothing and never mm. follow their own needs and do these things. And that's not a good, healthy, whole and complete joyful life. Right. There's no good news in I am, but a worm over and over. Yeah. Over. It's um, in, in this context, we could even talk about that as sin as yeah, absolutely. too little of yourself as that's kind of a twisting in on yourself, yeah. not proper relationship with the world, with God, yeah, I love that. And that stuff gets built up from inside, but also from outside, from culture, mm. right? Like there are people who we have told or shown that they are not worthy of love. Um, and But when that becomes internalized, right? Like that's sinful. Something is broken. Something is amiss ah. there. Something's not right anymore. Um, and it's caused you to turn in on yourself in a in sort of the self-pity way, right? Um, and that's, that's not true. Um, but at the same time, right? There are also times when, um, or this is what's going on uh, at a large scale level with something like white supremacy, where um, people have come to think too much of themselves, which uh, I would say dehumanizes everyone. Mm. Like when you have this idea of some people are just innately better, more worthy, more loved and lovable, uh, smarter, whatever it is, right, um, than other people, uh, you you tend to dehumanize everyone. So in something like particularly white supremacy, people who are white are more than human, like are mm. sort of like superhuman and, and everybody else is less than human. And that's, that is full heartedly sin, right? Like whether that's internalized and individualized and like one person's prejudices or whether that's at a societal level when we see it, right? Like that's, um, that is when, when I talk about like the sin of racism or the sin of white supremacy, I'm talking about those large scale ways that we propagate this narrative of some people are more than human and some people are less than human um, yeah. and it justifies all kinds of behavior um and uh that that's harmful and hurtful that doesn't recognize um what i would call the imago dei the image of god inherent in every person and which is the reason for group confession if group confession sounds weird like me where you didn't grow up in that kind of setting um, where you'd liturgically do that. But it totally makes sense when you're talking about these kind of systemic sins that we are all kind of playing parts in and upholding or um, 
or, or participants of in some way. So I love that. That's amazing. Well, you mentioned sin and bondage and how there's these different ways we can talk about sin. Sometimes it gets a hold of us. It's kind of like, wait, what is sin? Where is it coming from? It's probably my main question here. Where does sin come from? Why is it in the world at all? Why did God drop the ball when creating this whole thing? And just like, oh, oh crap. I almost sinned right there and said yeah. the wrong word. Um, <laughs> And uh, as I like, oh grab, I accidentally allowed for, you know, like what's going on here? Where does sin come from? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a great question. That's something that uh, people have been wondering about forever. And the reason I can say that, uh, that like that it's been there is because early in scripture, um, there are stories that are trying to uncover and talk about the origination of sin, which mm. says to me, there were people there, there was a there was a question right like there was an exploration of why why aren't things perfect why is there evil right um yeah. so if you've had that question uh so You're not has, the first so one. has a million people for <laughs> yeah. you know Be more thousands of with years. Your <laughs> exactly right yeah come up with a better way no um but just like in the sense of uh in the spirit of the show of like there are some questions where there aren't like easy definitive answers people have been asking that question forever um and oh, tonight yeah we are going to really figure this out we're we're gonna consider it anew right yeah exactly um so there are uh the the tension usually comes to this for for a christian um or for somebody raised in the christian tradition even did if if god is all-powerful and all good did god create sin like if god is all-powerful did did god create evil and sin. Um, and so maybe the, I, I want to steer a little bit clear of um, talking about like evil, this idea of like, mm. why do bad things happen to good people and some of that, that probably deserves its own episode at some point. Um, okay. But, yeah. but it's, but the origin of the question is very similar of like, why, why are things the way they are now? If uh, God is good, powerful, the creator of everything, nothing's created, you know, out beyond or outside of God. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of the origin of that, you know, where does sin come from? Does it come from God or somewhere else? Um, and if somewhere else, what does that say about if God is powerful, what God is really, is God loving, is God power? You know, like one of them's got to give, right? Yeah. Like is, is basically where people come to with, with questions like that. Um, what scripture opens us up to is, um, kind of two, two general stories, um, one is the story that most people think of when we start talking about sin, which is Adam and Eve in the garden um, and the snake, right? And the, and, and the, the apple, even though it's just a fruit from a tree, um, you know, but we have this beautiful picture of like a nice shiny red apple um, in the same way that people talk about Jonah and the whale, but the story is actually about Jonah and a, a, big, like, fish. a big fish, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, so we have, there's, there's that story. We, we sometimes call it the story of the fall um and uh and we talk about and people often talk about that as sort of the introduction of sin and i think that is some of what the the story is trying to tell us right like if you were to ask that story it's um to me it, it seems to be like thinking about the way that the existence of sin and where does it come from and here's mm. here's sin's origin story um well, there was this sly serpent that says something that's not what God said to do. And instead of being aligned with God's will, um, people, humanity chooses to be aligned with um, self-interest, which is this, I mean, the, the temptation of the serpent is you can be like God, mm -hmm. right? God, God said, don't do this. But the reason God said that is because if you did eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Right. And this is also plays in a sense, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the one that they're not supposed to eat of. Um, then you're going to create your own ethics. You're going to come up with your own, you're going to order your priorities in not in God's ways, but in your own way. And in fact, they already do, even before they take the fruit by listening to something other than God. Hmm. Um, and so then you get that same question of like, well, God must have made the serpent. God made everything, right? What's, you know, what's going on here? What's the power? Why doesn't God stop it? Um, I think those are really legitimate questions. I think those are often come from very like serious lived experiences. And that would tend to be my starting place with a question like this um, is like, well, what is it in you that's, that's bringing that up? Um, where does that come from? The, 
The second piece from scripture, before I give kind of one other theological framework to this question, where does sin come from, um, is the note that the word, the Hebrew word for sin doesn't show up until the next Bible story. Um, it's not directly present. Like even, even though the, the church would sort of, you know, the Orthodox of the church would point to that story in the garden as original sin. And in fact, comes up with a doctrine of original sin that kind of traced back to this guy, Augustine, I mentioned already, um, who, by the way, this was his main, like the thing that the intellectual thing that kept him from being a Christian was this problem of evil and sin. Why is there bad mm. stuff? And he searched forever and forever. And it took him a long time to find an answer that he felt was satisfactory. Yeah. Um, which I feel which, like is something that's still common today. Like this problem of evil, this, yeah. it, you know, is God all powerful? Then why is he allowed this? If he's all good, then how, yeah. So and the I, other, the other side of Augustine, he had that intellectual problem, right? Like how does this, how do these pieces fit together? It doesn't make rational sense. The second portion of it was um, a moral problem. Augustine was like, I don't think I can live that way. And particularly for him, um, he was just lost in, in sexual sin and, and promiscuity <laughs> and relationships and whatever. So he has this, I, we were joking about it beforehand, um, cause I've been teaching this stuff. So it's fresh on my mind, but like, he has this literal prayer. That's like, God grant me chastity, but not yet. Um, and, but he talks about this moral, he's like the father of Western theology. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like, and he's the very guy that's like, I'm going to get on stage and tell my testimony one day, but I still need to live through my twenties and thirties. Right. Absolutely. Like that. I mean, that's Augustine's story quite literally. Right. And, um, and the, the, his idea of a bound will, this force of sin, this, this sort of singular sin as a force at work opposed from God that moves us away from God's presence, uh, or that comes between us and right relationship with God that turns us in on ourselves so that we don't recognize God's presence with us. Um, that's that's how he starts working this out and he says i can't will the right thing i can't will what god wills like so i can't morally do what god would have me do until god's grace has freed me from being bound to sin so mm -hmm. i'm in bondage to sin i cannot free myself right we're in bondage to sin i cannot free ourselves god's grace is the the technology the thing the free gift that makes it possible to have the will, your will aligned with God's will. And it's not until that point that you can actually do it because until then you're going to say, God grant me chastity, but not yet. Right. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to, whatever your sort of sin of choice, whatever your thing that is breaking your relationship with God and with others, that's, that's causing more harm than good. Um, that's not aligned with God's will, whatever that thing is, you can't, you, you're, you'll continue to to will that thing other than willing God. But so, so all of that to unwrap this, you know, that's how he starts to solve this kind of where is sin? What's the hold on me? How, how do I get out of sin um, and start living the right way? But I would be remiss to, to not note that in the Cain and Abel story is where we first get the word sin and uh, God seemingly without reason prefers Abel's offering to Cain. Like God in the Old Testament just has a preference or God, God in general has a preference for younger sons to older sons and shepherds to farmers. Like it's consistent. <laughs> it's very consistent. It, this is like systematic prejudice. If it's consistent. This I mean, kind of right. Like here's and, what I found. Uh, uh -oh. Gosh, my, my Siri. <laughs> Siri on my watch is, um, is just loving this conversation. Um, but this idea of, um, Sort of like who, yeah, yeah, that God just seems to show preference for shepherds over farmers. Yeah, we call that implicit and, bias. Yeah. Uh, what, but what's funny is bias. one of the things I love about it is it's the opposite of like culture's implicit bias, oh. right? Um, that older sons would have been preferred over younger sons. Um, and that like setting up cities and empires would have been preferable to wandering the wilderness forever and just keeping flocks. So God seems to have the opposite bias if God has a bias. Um, and, uh, but, but it makes Cain really angry, right? He's like, oh, I brought an offering too. God, you didn't like it. And God's warning to Abel or sorry, to Cain um, is, Hey, I see that you're upset and angry against me and against your brother. Um, be careful uh, in your anger 
that you do not sin. Sin is lurking at the door and sin is almost described as this like beast that's coming. Um, but it's, it's about violence. It's about committing violence. And so then the first sin as scripture defines it is Cain's murder of Abel. So, um, there is also a track of like sin is a human propensity toward violence. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so I, I want to make sure that people hear that piece too. And that, right. Even though the church and theology seems to put the origination of sin in the Adam and Eve in the garden at the fall, um, the word sin in scripture doesn't show up until the Cain and Abel story. And this idea of angry violence toward, uh, brother. Interesting. Violence against another human is kind of the starting point. Which, first of all, sets the bar pretty high for sin. And ever since then, it seems like we've been like bringing it down to like, don't even think a bad thought. But, yeah. uh, but well, that's that with, like, don't murder if you, somebody. If you're going to blame that one, you have to blame Jesus. Because yeah. um, that is his. <laughs> that is his Absolutely. I mean, but, but that's I, what it is, right? Like yeah. that, that thinking the angry thought about doing harm to your neighbor, um, Jesus seems to equate it with the actual meeting out of the harm. Now, what's interesting is sometimes we take that uh, in the exact, I think, opposite way of what Jesus was trying to do in that like sort of leveling field moment of um, we go like, okay, so the murder is not that bad because the person who thought about murder is also really bad instead of going like, oh, no, 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 we ought to not be wishing harm on anyone. It's as bad as um, to accept, right? Like we put the, the emphasis on the wrong way. Um, and I think that, you know, when we get to the conversation about ethics or the ethical implications, you know, there was that kind of interesting question about, is it ever right to sin? Like, is it ever mm, the just yeah. action to sin? Um, is a really interesting question because it, it brings to bear, like, when does, uh, when does the action and the result matter? And to what degree does it matter? Um, and uh and there's there's interesting conversation throughout the church's history on like um uh, are there unforgivable sins are some sins uh or or in the middle ages that we they come in the catholic church to be known as mortal sins like sins that uh that like have direct impact on your eternal life um oh. or not and and there becomes this sort of category of mortal sins and then the rest of the sins are relegated and protestantism we tend to say like there is no ranking of sins and we look to jesus on the sermon on the mount saying like no no no, it's it's still sin it's still missing the mark it's still being turned in on yourself instead of okay. god it's still a, a disordered desire um and uh and yet there is no denying and i don't think that god would turn a, uh the other way from saying like no like genocide does more harm than uh, thinking an angry thought about your sibling. Um, like the, the real meted out harm is, is not equitable. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's, that's where that ethics, you know, conversation that comes out of like, well, what do you do there? And what's the response? Yeah. It's an interesting thing. You know, um, I feel like there's always, Hitler always is like the example of the extreme for, for, for many of us. And I remember being like, you know, if Hitler confessed on his deathbed that Jesus was like, so there's this, these things that our human brain struggle with, with the sin here. Cause we rank everything, we categorize everything. And yet there's this other kind of divine order of things that seems to play by different rules. And, um, but yeah, I remember asking my parents some of these questions, like, is it ever okay to do the wrong thing? But, um, and then like even teasing it out, there's one specific memory I have of like, if there's some sort of intruder or harmer and I need to lie in order to make sure that we're okay, is that okay? Cause I was a rule follower and I want to make sure I'm not sure. going to sin. And my parents being like, you can do that. It's okay to like lie. And I was like, are you sure? Am I not going to be like divinely punished? Yeah. Um, or even like when my sister, cause I was a good boy, but when my sister would, um, would mess up and they needed to spank her, like there was how many spankings does she get? <laughs> So right. it's like, how bad was the sin? How bad? Like we can literally yeah. rank them here. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and so just to kind of pull in a little bit more on that, what um, I'll give you maybe one, one historical example. Um, you already brought up kind of uh, the Nazi regime in Germany. Uh, one classic example is this very kind of faithful Lutheran theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who ends up by the end of his life, uh, involved in some attempts to assassinate Hitler. Yeah. Um, 
And what's interesting is we have these letters from Bonhoeffer and, and we have writings from earlier in his life. And then we have some writings from kind of this point in his life. And he's wrestling with this exact question of like, I know that this is a sinful and wrong action, that this action is not in alignment with God's will and the, and the gospel. But in this circumstance, uh, it seems like the only option I have. Right. Like, and he's sort of wrestling with that. I mean, I, it's, it's sort of your example, right? Like to, to, to a very, in a very real scenario, yeah. right. Of like, well, do I do, a, do I do the wrong thing for the right thing for the least amount of harm? Yeah. Um, and then you see this picked up by folks like um, Kant, Immanuel Kant's ethics mm. um, are very much in this, like, what's the categorical imperative? Um, how much does the motivation matter or not matter in doing a good deed, a truly good, like, so this is, um, you know, there's a lot to, to learn and explore For in, sure. when we get into those ethical complications. One thing that's uh, often a, a sort of an orthodox answer uh, from the Christian tradition is that, um, and I don't always, I don't always find this personally like satisfactory um, or, or, uh, when um, talking about sin or talking about evil and, and different acts, but is that because um, sin doesn't just impact like an individual and individual it, because it has these corporate impacts like we've talked about, right? Um, with that in mind, with this idea of um, creation itself, like the whole world and the ordered world um, having been impacted by uh, the forces at work in the world that defy God. Um, there is then um, like when we try to work out the right things, um, sometimes they come out in broken ways still, mm. which is, is, is sort of this answer of like, well, sometimes, yeah, the only sort of option is this broken, messed up option, but it's the only one we have. Um, mm. I think that in the wrong circumstances, uh, that can become this sort of excuse to, to do bad things to people or whatever. Right. And be like, well, it's just like, we're all, it's all kind of broken and messed up. Um, and, and we'll never fix it or whatever. Right. And sort of to subjugate ourselves. Um, I know we've got a lot of questions. I do have one more thing on yeah. kind of flowing from this and, and definitions of sin and things. So a theological definition that I got from my theology professor of like, how is sin, what is sin? What's its force on us? Did it come from God? Um, explain it like this. You brought up ice cream. So I'll, I will ask you, Brandon, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Right now, oatmeal cream pie by Bluebell. Okay. Oatmeal cream pie by Bluebell. Um, I love Say it. Like Bluebell, like it's what I'm wearing. I'm wearing, um, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you wearing tonight? I'm wearing oatmeal cream pie by Bluebell. That's right. Um, that is what I'm wearing on my hips right now. <laughs> um, the, the analogy is this. Um, so you would imagine that uh, your favorite flavor of ice cream, you'd never get tired of it. So imagine a world where you never get tired of it. Yeah. Um, it is good for you, right? Mm. Like it's the best thing for you. It is your favorite thing to eat, right? Like it tastes fantastic. It's your favorite thing. It's, it is, has all the nutritional value and good for you-ness. Um, and you don't even get tired of eating it. And you have as much as you want for eternity because God is giving you that. Like it's what God is presenting you for nourishment, for uh, life. Okay. Like God is like, here is this oatmeal cream pie, ice cream by Bluebell, right? Like this is, this is the thing God is offering to you. This is my dream. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yet, and this is why sin doesn't make any sense. And yet in this example, you look around on the grass and you find like a piece of bark um, Oh no. Did I lose everybody? No, you didn't lose okay. me. All right. No, no, no. Okay. Sorry. I got lost. Um, I had a weird notification on my screen. In this, the reason it doesn't make sense is you're getting one thing from God and it's the best thing for you. And it's your favorite thing, right? You're getting this ice cream, but you turn around and look on the grass and find like a bug, a piece of bark, um, and like some, some animal poop. And you're like, no, I'm going to try this today. Um, and there's no, uh, there's no rational reason that you would do it. Right. Like you're not tired of the other thing. You're not, um, it's not bad for you. It's good for you. It's everything you need. It's the one thing God is offering. God's not like, Oh, here's this. And by the way, if you don't want this, you can have like a cricket or you can have a, uh, you know, 
bark from an oak tree, right? Like God is not giving you two options, choose the good option. God is giving you the one good thing, but because God has created a vast and full world with all sorts of things, um, we at some point for no good reason, for a reason that doesn't make sense, pick the bad thing. It's huh. bad for us. It makes us sick. Um, it's bad for, you know, if it's a cricket or whatever, it's bad for the cricket, right? Like it's not just bad for us. It's bad for the rest of creation. Um, it makes us <laughs> ill. It makes it like, it does all sorts it's of bad so stuff. It's so extreme. I don't know if I like it because <laughs> I, I can give lots of good reasons, I think, for, for my sins. Um, like for instance, well, this is to not use it. Okay. There's other things that I like to eat that are not good for me, but it's like, I have my reasons. One of which being my ancestors were calorically drawn to sugar and fat. And so it's like, there's deep biological drivers. It's not like, I'm just like, let's right. this bark over the most divine bluebell ice cream in the world. So it's like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I could see there being very good drivers and reasons for sure choosing things that take us out of that natural alignment with reality. And, and, but the, the question then becomes, right? Like if that is, if it takes us out of the ideal, out of perfect relationship with God, our neighbor and the created world, then it's, then it's sin, right? Like that's, a, that's this mm. definition. And, and so like, there might be, you might be able to trace those reasons, but at some point you're like, well, why were we ever attracted to sugar? And why did we, why did it not stop after it served its purpose or all of these pieces, right? At some point you get back to the question of like, of, of why, why does, why does a good God give us this option? And it's like, well, mm. God's not trying to give us this option, um, but God gives us this free will and curiosity and discovery uh, and, and creativity that are innate in God. And at some point for, you know, like no good reason, no, no real sensible reason. If we, if we draw it out to its extreme, yeah. um, but, but because I say that I bring that up only because some people have this conception of um, like God is giving us a good option and a bad option and being like better choose right. Right. Like yeah. God is, is blue pill, red pilling us all the yeah. time. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and instead it's like, no, God's always giving you the opportunity to wake up to, to live a just life, to be, uh, to God is constantly trying to unbind you, to pull you out from yourself and turn you toward your neighbor. Like that is the activity of God in the world. Um, and yet there's this other stuff that comes into us um, that, that we find that because God doesn't design us to be robots, um, we, we sometimes do um, that like yeah. it doesn't, and it doesn't quite make sense. Like we might be able to follow it for a while, but eventually you're like, no, no, no. Like, why does it, but why would the world be set up in such a way where mm. the only good option I have is a bad option, right? Um, yeah, and I love something that I'm taking away from this is often sin kind of feels like this external list of like bad things. Like it's this thing that's removed from my reality that's just kind of handed into my existence from this external source, call it God, call it because like separated being is like, Hey, shouting down, there's certain things you shouldn't do. Whereas instead seeing it as something that's kind of twisting me in on myself, it's like, Oh, that's so much more interesting because it's not like this external list out there that I'm supposed to remember and follow, but rather it's this very lived reality of things that bring me into alignment with God, with the divine, with how things are supposed to be. And then there's other things, actions, thoughts, ways of being that take me out of alignment with the natural flow and created way that things should be. So I love that because it's such a more dynamic and interesting way of seeing sin is it's not this like, did you follow the, like, did you look at the back of the book and see the <laughs> answers and follow them? Um, but rather it's this, it's, it's much more contextual. It's much more like, hey, is this sinful for me right now? Is this sinful for is this landing? Am I holding it in a way that's sinful? Um, that's so much more interesting and dynamic rather than this like a list kind of mentality, which yeah. also well, the list mentality though makes for some great questions. Like what is your favorite of the Christian sins? Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, here's the interesting thing that happens is with that list mindset, the other thing going on is um, you could probably con like you could have an unending list. In fact, this is what like, uh, Luther 
finds himself with. He's like, by the time he's like, I go to confession. He was, you know, he started as a Catholic monk. He's like, I go and I confess. And by the time I get to the end of what I walked into confession with, I've thought of, you know, a list, the same length. He's like, I could sit all day long in confession and that's not good news. And it, and it beats me up more and I feel bad and nothing's setting me free and nothing, you know, like, where's the grace, where's the good news. Um, and, uh, and that's in reframing from this plural sins to sin. Um, mm. I think is maybe, maybe one of the things that I hope people take away is, is one, uh, I think it, it's really easy to forget is, uh, like, yes, there are specific actions along the way that we take or, uh, and there are inactions, right? So I think that, um, I, t- I mentioned sin of omission early. Sometimes we forget, like we think of the things we did that were wrong, right? But not acting, not stepping in and blocking the bully, um, not speaking out against injustice, not standing alongside those at the margins, um, missing an opportunity to speak up um or or to do something having a uh having two coats in your closet uh there's um one of i think it's gregory of ah, it's either nissa or nazianzus one of the one of the great cappadocian fathers has this idea and it's very john the baptist-esque of like if you have two coats in your closet one of them belongs to you but the other one belongs to your neighbor who needs a coat Hmm. um like they aren't both yours Right. Um, and and a sin of omission is sort of like assuming that they're that all the clothes in my closet are mine when in fact, like justice would require of me that only the ones I need are mine because the others belong to people who are in need of that same thing. Um, and uh, and so so one to remember the things that we don't do can also constitute a sinful inaction right um that it's not just uh a sinful act which i think sometimes gives people courage because people are afraid of like saying the wrong thing right mm. and it keeps people from saying anything um but not saying anything is can often be just as bad as saying i like wrong. that i like that it can give people because it's like i'm only graded on the test that i take but it's like you're also being graded on the test you don't yeah um so like, i mean there's that but then yeah, but then the movement, I think, uh, you know, from from this conversation, the movement to uh, sin, right? Like as this force that turns us in on ourselves, this force that draws us from God or that turns us away from God, um, and and it doesn't, you know, really make sense, right? Like because it's not good for us or for others. Um, it's not an equally valid, fun option, right? Which is when we're sitting with those lists. It's like, well, no, but like, isn't sometimes this is like fun and harmless, and and sometimes it probably is, right? Yeah. And the, but the church is like wholesale written off a category, of, <laughs> like you can't dance or whatever, right? It's like I don't know, people are dancing from the early pages of scripture. Um, what until, do you mean uh, I can't dance? Bacon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, and so I think that that distinction, right? This the sins can be in action, um, but also this move to to sin, um, and and concept of, um sin and, and sort of that singular um as this as this force that's opposed to god that draws us from god that breaks our relationships um and pulls us out of right relationship i love it i i have more questions than when we started which is what i love about this but yeah like questions about where does this force come from what is this thing that would that would want us you know that would make me overdose on ice cream when uh when there's definitely a much better way to live in alignment with how things should be um, so there's so many questions I have that I, we might need to do a part two on sin at some point. Or even, you know, topics that come from this, right. Are, uh, free will or a bound mm. will, right? Like, do we really have free will? Um, philosophy 101. It, let's just right. Yeah, into absolutely. It. Well, and that's, and it's St. Augustine and Pelagius, um, oh. right. Uh, and, um, and so like, like that question is, is a natural one from this, uh, conversation as well. So yeah. There's you mentioned evil before. Yep. Yeah, we could we could go on this forever. I love it though so much. I yeah, I'm just struck with this. Um, I was also you're talking about sins of um, of omission. It's just like gosh, I'm getting hit from both sides. I can't if I 
if I I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I this damned is, if I don't. This literally. is this is why if we say we have no sin, um, then the truth is not in us, and we deceive ourselves. But here's 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 my last takeaway: something we didn't necessarily get to, and that nobody's asking, but that I I would offer for everybody else's consideration. Um, one of my favorite things about Lutheran theology is this idea um, that's called simul justus et peccator, which is a Latin term for simultaneously saint and sinner, simultaneously oh. justified and still sinning. Um, and it's it's the idea that even uh, once we've been converted, even once we've been set free by God's grace, um, sin still remains. We still sometimes mess up. Um, it's like, I, you know, I think about it this way, like what a life we would live if we were fully present to everything around us at every single moment. Mm. Right. And, and yet the, and the only way, but, but we can't, right. Like when I'm playing with my kids and I can be fully engaged and present, um, it's way better. It's better for the kids. It's better for me. It's better for my life, um, and everything. But like, I just, I can't, I don't have the fortitude. I, I like, I can't, my, you know, I can't be fully present with everybody yeah. I'm with all day long. Um, I'm too tired, whatever it is. Um, the, the sense here is theoretically you could live a perfect life, but what that perfect life takes is being fully in tune and aligned with God's will all the time, like constantly receiving the influx, being present to the grace and love of God in our midst which is something people talk about experiencing in prayer and meditation for a time and conversation. Um, but it's something that in our human experience tends to be somewhat fleeting. Like you can't always be perfectly in tune and present. Um, and, uh, and that's what this symbol used to set Picotter gives us this framework of we're, we're still occasionally going, going to miss and mess up, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that we are losing the the free gift that God has given us of of abundant life and love. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, it does, so. It doesn't mean we we're never going to make mistakes and mess up again. But it means that those mistakes don't define us, and we are free, at least in glimpses, and hopefully uh, in as much as is possible to live uh, in love toward God and toward neighbor and neighbor, including, you know, the creator world around us. So that's, mm. that's maybe the last um, piece of framework I'd leave with Sen that, that I find really helpful because like I started, I, you know, I have personal experience with sin um, and you're like, no, pastors aren't supposed to sin, right? Like, and all this stuff, but no, we all, um, by stuff we do or don't do mess up. Um, I need that corporate confession. I need that personal confession week after week after week. Um, and uh, in things big and in things small, and and so I find uh, great hope in that even even in this mix of um, simultaneously justified and sinner um, all the time loved by God and given God's grace and so um, I, I I leave that as well as this um, maybe maybe word of word of hope when it feels like oh. Pastor Drew, you expanded my definition of sin and now it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> you made it worse. Yeah. No, you finished it and made it better. Um, so so that 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 definitely helps. I um that's what I'm gonna be telling myself tonight when I eat that bluebell ice cream. I'm just gonna be like, I'm still a saint too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, well, and that I mean that's part of it, right? And I think that just seems to line up with my uh life experience of like people every person has within them the great capacity for incredible immense good and terrible horrible evil um and uh and sin is something that doesn't make sense and yet still remnants of it are are in every person um regardless of how great of a life we try to lead um and regardless of how much god loves us which is a whole lot um and and so um hopefully some, okay. some good news at the end of a, of a bad topic and yeah we'll have to come back because we'll have to talk about like original sin versus original blessing and some things like that that we didn't quite to get to cover so if you uh friends have you know some more lingering questions or things uh, you can share them in the chat or comments as you're watching this or send them straight to brandon and i um as we get ready for for episodes and weeks to come i love it Thank you so much, Drew, for considering all the questions. This was a great one. It's a heavy topic. I love that you uh, you brought it down to the real. This is something that impacts us all um, individually, societally. Um, this is where some of the heaviest stuff comes from. 
Um, but then I love how much uh, grace, um, spaciousness that you also bring to these these uh, these topics. So thank you so much, Drew. This has been this has been fun. Yeah, and maybe the last um, piece I'll leave with folks, just as a uh, by way of shifting to kind of like logistics before we kind of sign off for this week. Um, we've done a handful of types of topics. Uh, and I would be really interested in knowing what folks like. So this is maybe the, uh, uh, you know, we did like a theological concept. Um, we did a sort of philosophical concept at the beginning of just like curiosity and questions. Mm. Um, and and what is that like? Uh, we did sin, which is sort of this like theological category. And then in between, um, we did a word study, like evangelical, which has a lot of uh, current event stuff wrapped up in it too and then we did one that was pretty much specifically current events like uh you know relationship of church and state uh and and public issues so if there are sort of types of um you know large questions that you want to consider um i'd be curious to hear which of those types of episodes you've liked um we'll, we maybe even have a couple more um in that and are going to bounce around a little bit. But if you're like, man, I love the theology ones and this other one, the, you know, this other stuff wasn't for me or uh, get back to the the wider philosophy stuff. And out of the uh, get, get Pastor Drew to stop talking about all these, you know, Christian theologians from thousands. No, of years I ago. love it. I love it. <laughs> but I'm curious. But yeah, let us, let us know as we go. Um, and we will see you next Tuesday uh, live at nine or wherever you're finding us. Um, and uh, look forward for some conversations in the weeks ahead about specifically about faith and parenting. So if you have questions about yeah. um, anything about what it's like to parent um, as a person of belief or unbelief or how to talk to God or church about kids, um, we'd love to, to hear them and be able to involve you in those episodes in that way. Um, until then, ask a really good question. Oh, so I shouldn't have added the really. Just ask a good question. <laughs> You're raising the bar each week. I know, I know. I gotta, I gotta bring it. We're really back in. Ask a good question. I love it. Ask a good question. Thank you all so much.